Hello and welcome to season two of the Modern Adventurer podcast. I'm your host, John Horsfall. I'm an adventurer and photographer, and each week I'll be talking with a new guest about their latest adventure from around the world. For all the new listeners and subscribers who have joined, I speak to adventurers and explorers who do remarkable things in the field of exploration and endurance. This is an immersive podcast, so this season their story is cut to music and cinematic effects as we immerse ourselves into the heart of their adventure. My next guest is an army officer, physiotherapist and endurance athlete. She became the first person to reach the South Pole on foot in two years, completing the trek in little over 40 days. She conquered temperatures of minus 50 and winds of up to 60 while pulling a 90 kilo sledge. Nonetheless, she completed her 700 mile challenge almost a week ahead of schedule, skiing from Hercules Inlet to the South Pole in 40 days, 7 hours and 3 minutes. She hopes her achievement will inspire others, writing this expedition was always about so much more than me. I want to encourage people to push their boundaries and to believe in themselves, and I want to be able to do it without being labelled a rebel. She is an inspiration and role model as the first woman of colour to complete this impressive feat. She said no matter where you're from or where the start line is, everybody starts somewhere. I don't want to just break the glass ceiling, I want to smash it into a million pieces. I'm delighted to introduce Preet Chandri aka Polar Preet to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. What I love to do at the sort of beginning of the podcast for people who don't know you, who are you, what do you do and how did you get into this sort of life of adventures? Yeah, of course. So my name is Preet Chandy um, and I'm a physiotherapist in the British Army. And how did I get into a life adventure? Oh, wow. Good question. I am um, for me, I, I think we the more we do, the more we realize we're capable of. And I realized that at uh, probably around my 20s that I liked uh, distance running and I started to do a little bit more and a little bit more. And for a while, I knew I wanted to do something big. I just didn't know what it was. I don't think I'm the strongest or the quickest, but I do like to keep going. So I thought it's going to be something long. And um, it was my old boss that you know, we were brainstorming and I mentioned that I wanted to do something big. And he said, what about Antarctica? And I thought, not a chance. I don't know anything about Antarctica at all. You know, I have never been in those kind of conditions. And then the idea came back to me. And, you know, I thought, why not? How amazing would it be to go and do something that I don't know anything about and to show actually, we can come from any sort of background. And, you know, it's okay that I didn't grow up reading about polar explorers. So that's how I kind of got into this, which I love. I love that I didn't really know anything about it. And, you know, I started on Google, as you do. <laughs> so uh, so that was my start starting in into this. I, I, I think it's sort of terrifying when uh, you have an idea in your head and it just grows and grows <laughs> yes. and grows on you. And then suddenly it sort of consumes everything about you when you have these yeah. sort of things, you sort of at night you go go to bed sort of dreaming about it, thinking of it so much and it sort of just takes hold. But you, even beforehand, were doing these sort of adventures. You had done the sort of marathon de sable. You, had, you were a very competitive sports person. Yeah, so I played um I played tennis when I was younger. Um so I started when I was 10 and um and started playing I think com- competitively quite quite quickly. Um I moved away from home when I was 14 um and then lived in like a tennis house with a guardian for a short time and then uh 16 to Czech Republic. And then I moved back to England when I was 19. So I didn't really do um kind of the, the usual education. I only did a few GCSEs. I didn't do A-levels. And it, for a long time, it wasn't really something I, I enjoyed. And I wanted to come back. And, and it's funny, I think you always crave what you don't feel like you have. And for me, I was craving some some sort of stability. And, you know, I remember really keen to get into university and thought I was so, so far behind everybody else my age. I was 19 thinking, God, you know, I, I'm not smart enough. And again, other people told me as well that I wasn't smart enough and I wouldn't wouldn't be able to get into university, um, which is one of my biggest achievements to date. Um, and it's hard to do things when either you don't believe in yourself or other people have told you 
that you you can't do something and I um I stopped playing tennis for for a long while really and then tried to to pick it up again um a little bit um through through different teams and um I think from there I, I wanted something that I felt was something that I enjoyed that I wanted to do and it was at university I decided to do a half marathon and then after doing the half marathon I decided to do a, do a full marathon and it was after university that I ran my first ultra marathon which went terribly wrong <laughs> I mean I finished but I felt horrible at the end I was so unprepared for everything um but then you know it almost caught that bug and I I'd, I joined the army when I was 19 um when I came back from Czech Republic because I saw an advert in Derby City Centre didn't tell anybody in my family um and when I did tell people people weren't very happy but again um when you were doing things that are considered out of the norm I think they're often questioned um and it opened up a different world for me so yes I did play sport but um the kind of the outdoor world you know like the adventure type so I hadn't been like done really walking outside or like been camping and you know the first time I properly went I don't know you can't really call it camping but did that kind of thing was was in the army um so that opened up different doors and i found the more that i was doing within the army the more i started doing in my civilian civilian side as well and uh after that ultra marathon then you know i i remember reading about uh, marathon disabled so this this kind of ultra marathon in the sahara desert in a in a book that i got for secret santa and it, it the the title was something along the lines of the world's toughest challenges and when i first read about it i was like whoa that sounds you know like like insane amazing and all those things and a few years later i thought well why not just enter it and i did and and in my mind, I had this thing. It was like, if I can do that, if I can complete this, then I can go on and do this big thing that's Antarctica. And yes, they're in completely different climates, but it's a, you know, it's another barrier, isn't it? It's this big thing that I read about years ago and they're all achievable. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say they're easy. Like, it, you know, it was hard to get to Antarctica. It really was. Um, but they are achievable. I think it's, uh, we had, uh, Jamie Ramsey, who on the podcast did on episode four, and he he sort of described it as blowing up a balloon. You sort of blow up the balloon, and it sort of gets to this stage, and you're like, oh, okay. And then you blow a bit more, and gradually it gets bigger and bigger, and sort of the, what you're capable of, it just sort of grows and grows and grows. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. And so with the Antarctica, was um, was that before? Did the idea sort of? come to you before you started doing these sort of challenges of Marathon de Sable or was it like Marathon de Sable all right what's next uh no I had Antarctica as a really vague idea at the back of my head and but I had to do Marathon de Sable before I would start preparing or looking into it and that was just in my head if I can do this I can do MDS then I can and then yeah that's it I can start preparing or planning or finding out what I even do you know to the point I was like do you run do you ski <laughs> so you know how do I how do I go go there and what do I do there so yes I, I had it as an idea before and um and then and you know I was supposed to be like super prepared for for um going to Sahara Desert but I entered and then I ended up going on uh, a tour to South Sudan with the army. So I spent six months there and then I had uh, some leave when I came back. So I decided to go traveling around South America, just like kind of sprain my ankle, nothing too big, but on one of the kind of walks there and then uh, came back to England with about a week to pack, uh, to get my kit ready for, for this race and uh, buy all my food and stuff. So, um, I was definitely not prepared, uh, not as prepared as I sh should have and could have been. Um, but, you know, it was great. And I was there on my own. But you're not alone in these events. There were so many other people there with you. I shared a tent with some amazing people who I'm still in touch with to this day. So, yeah, really, um, it was a really great event. Well, I think uh, South Sudan is probably better training than sort of up and down Hyde Park in London, where there's a bit of sand. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, with the so because of the the temperature out there, we can't go out and train as it gets above a certain temperature. So to be honest, I didn't really do much. I did a little bit of like endurance type stuff. I did, um, I did, you know, I was I was keeping fit and in the gym and stuff, but not really going out and, and running too much. Um, 
apart from one event that I decided to organize, um, which <laughs> probably part of my training, but I, um, I, I said to everyone, let's do an endurance event, you know, for charity while we're out here. And we did it overnight because, you know, we, we were able to do it then. And I decided to do 12 hours on, on one camp that we had. Uh, so I did the whole 12 and others would come and join me for like an hour overnight. Um, and then I thought, well, if I'm doing one camp, I might as well do the other camp too. So I'll make it 24 hours, you know, I'll do this one camp and then the week later I flew to the other camp did another and I thought if I'm doing 24 hours I might as well include the transit camp so I'll make it 30 hours so over like a week and a half I did <laughs> so I guess that was training this 30 hours um of a yeah this kind of walk slash slow jog um around these different camps in South Sudan for charity which was good fun well so you got back and so this idea of Antarctica grew on you as you sort of stepped up on these sort of challenges but you had no sort of experience in the cold and so the probable training through that sort of towards Norway and Greenland yeah and that's sort of what you did so in terms of from the idea to getting out there what was the sort of uh, planning and execution to achieve yeah. because getting out there is probably almost the hardest yes. part yeah, it was. So I, um, so looking online, I found uh, Antarctic logistics and expeditions quite soon, and um, and filled out this kind of um, this questionnaire, and um, there, uh, and then they contacted me and uh, gave me kind of a list of things that I needed to do. Uh, you know, had I been camping on snow? Had I done these trips? They suggested doing like a polar training course, and I did a course in February twenty nineteen. Um, Hannah McKean's uh, polar expedition training. So, you know, perfect course to do. Um, and that was a great course. And it gave me a really good baseline, um, which is what I wanted. You know, I I realized as well when I went there that I wasn't starting, you know, as a complete beginner like I thought I was. So I realized that, okay, I might have not put up a tent in the snow before, but I have put up a tent, you know, I did know how to work as a team, you know, in the like a team we were in. I knew how to use a compass and navigate. Do you know what I mean? There, there, I realized that actually there were these crossover skills that I had that that you know were helping me in this in this training course, and that that gave me such a good baseline to then move forward. And it wasn't very long after getting back from there um, that uh, it was then COVID. Um, so. Then I'm in a I'm in a medical regiment in the army, so you know we were on kind of notice to move, and to get to Greenland that was that was my toughest training trip by far. Um, so it just opened up for that we could travel uh, again around um, August time. Oh, I said 2019 for the last one, but I think it might have been trying to figure out what year I'm in now. Uh, but it, I went in uh, in August to uh, to Greenland, and they'd cancelled all the expeditions that year, um, and I was desperate to go because I knew I wanted to get to Antarctica, and um, um, yeah, I knew I wanted to get to Antarctica, and um, I emailed all the companies and asked if they could find me a guide, and uh, one of the companies did uh, find me a guide. So like the week before, I was like running around the UK, borrowing equipment from everybody I could. I couldn't afford the trip all in one go, so I. Um, I paid instead of uh, buying buying the house or that I was supposed to. I used my house savings and life savings to go to to Greenland, and uh, it still wasn't enough. So um, we then agreed that I'd pay it off in seven month installments. And um, you know, we we got out to Greenland, and then quarantine. It was like three flights, a helicopter, and a boat to get us to our start point. Uh, we had some pretty tough weather out there. Kind of every three days after we got the over the crevasse fields it was like uh, a storm hit so we we're having to kind of like you know um kind of st stay in the tent in those days and then the last five six days we got stuck in a storm and had to stay in the tent anyway we we weren't going to make the, the full crossing and um had to be extracted off the ice um so there was this trip and i remember there were some low moments there for me i was in this tent on this trip having used everything i had and I hadn't reached the other side, which, you know, I kind of expected I would have done. Um, and then we were, we were had to be extracted off the ice. And I remember them asking me on the satellite phone how I was going to pay. And that's probably one of the most stressful situations or conversations I've had to have because I didn't know. I literally, you know, I'd used everything. And um, eventually the company that found me, the guide, um, they paid um, and I couldn't afford to pay them back for a year and a half or just under a year and a half. I paid them off just before I went to Antarctica. Um, 
and came back and then we got off the ice and our kit which was supposed to be on that side wasn't no sorry we got off the ice um and then our flight was cancelled of course and then we finally got on the internal flight to the other side of Greenland where our kit was supposed to be our you know other clothing which of course wasn't there had been sent back and it was almost like everything that could go wrong was going wrong so finally made it back to the UK still in my ski boots you know my my other clothes were still in um in uh in Greenland and I felt deflated I felt mentally and physically deflated I'd used all you know everything I had I owed so much money and um I remember I was supposed to be doing the virtual London marathon the next day and I remember my partner saying to me you know you don't have to do it and I don't know what it was in my mind that I think it was just to prove to myself that when I'm feeling like this I can give more um so I didn't have my trainers they were in Greenland um so I used uh my military boots and um walked slash hobbled uh the London Marathon virtually it took me over I think it was like seven and a half hours so that was uh that was a <laughs> long day um that trip I I talk about a lot when I talk about Antarctica because it gave me so much. It was like the best failure that I've ever had. Um, and I didn't see it straight away. I think it's really hard, you know, when you have that to straight away be like, yeah, I'm going to learn so much from this. That's not true. I felt horrible after, you know, it, it wasn't a great feeling. And I learned all the things that I personally needed to work on as well. And it, I learned so much from it. You know, I really did. And I used to think about it when I was in Antarctica. I think, well, at least I'm not stuck in a storm for six days, <laughs> you know? So those tough times that you have, I think we can use them. I really did. Um, I did do a bit more training after that, uh, but that was one of the key trips for me. Um, I think that I, I learned so, so much from. So we spent 27 days on the ice cap. Um, and yeah, it's... Um, it, it was a really good learning trip. And I realized I said <clears throat> 2019 for Norway. I think I meant 2020 uh, when I did that, that training trip. Good. So after Greenland, you, um, you'd had this sort of failure. And so sort of almost rock bottom was the sort of foundations to sort of build yourself up to go towards Antarctica. Yeah, it just, it, it was, I was, it was a tough time. It was, um, you know, I didn't have any sponsors on time, uh, on board at the time. So I was using every, like everything I had. Um, I was doing my master's uh, at the time as well, which I didn't manage to get funding for. So <laughs> that as well. Um, with COVID, we were on notice to move. I... No, I hadn't start. I didn't start vaccinating until the year after uh, being one of the vaccinators. But it was it was a tough time. I found personally, um, and you know, I was emailing ten, fifteen companies a night, and I, you know, I wasn't getting uh, much back. And obviously, it was COVID as well. So when they did respond, it was you know, sorry, we've got this huge pandemic um, going on. So there were so many other things going on um, that that made it tough. And in the background I just I was really determined I just wanted to keep going and um in those tough moments and times I just took it one thing at a time so okay you know at least I I had gone to green and it took me a while to realize like what I'd learned from it um and you know what I could use moving forward and you know I realize now looking back like I'm really glad it wasn't just a smooth crossing with good weather would I have learned the things I learned from it probably not um and and it's and it's hard to see that it is you know and um I think definitely at the time um but I'm I'm glad it went the way it did um I don't yeah I don't look back now and think I mean, it was a difficult trip, but you know, I look back at it, I'm like, wow, it was difficult, but I also did it. And I think a lot of us have, you know, some tough times, tough moments, and we we don't give ourselves enough credit for getting through those times as well. Um and I think we should, you know, we we literally have got through that time. Uh whereas a lot of the time I think we can be quite mean to ourselves. I certainly can. And then I think, well, I'd never talk to my friend. I'd never talk to my friend that way. So why do I think why do I talk to myself this way? <laughs> And so, so what was the sort of turning point? Because it sort of sounds like the time between Greenland and Antarctica was pretty tough because to get out there, you need big sponsors. Yeah. You were sending 15 odd a night, <laughs> getting nothing back. What was the sort yeah. of turning point which went yeah. from this is never going to happen to, oh, this is, this is happening? Yeah. So I, um, so my first sponsor came on board, uh, 10 11 months before I left and I like it's so great to see the emails come through because I went through the inquiry page 
on their website and you know when they responded it obviously gone forward forward you know like to the people and then I did the pitch so I did the pitch in December and then they kind of came on board like yeah Jan Feb time before and I found when I got that first sponsor well one it gave me confidence like you know I literally have a company backing me and then I got more sponsors on board you know I feel like having that first sponsor um yeah really helped like and um I started I think it gave me a bit more life as well to like push a bit more okay like be a bit bit uh, bit smarter about where I'm going I started using LinkedIn quite a lot to be honest and started messaging like anybody I could on LinkedIn um and and got some more sponsors on board and I mean to be honest without those sponsors you know I, I wouldn't have been able to go to Antarctica I couldn't like I'd use all my, I used everything I had already so so I wouldn't have been able to do it without them so it's it's so great to like have them on board and it's yeah it's it's great to have people that support you before you've you know you've gone and done the the thing because that's when it's hard right that's when people are taking the risk whereas when I've come back it's there's so many people who are like yeah you know we've almost we were supportive all along and and that's not really the reality when I when I had this idea and you know the lead up there are a lot of people who just weren't very interested and and that's not me saying oh you know you weren't interested you know you you don't get to be supportive now that's not what I mean by that but what I mean or what I want to kind of say is it's great that I'm here now but when the next person comes along and they you know have this this idea this this dream whatever it is ambition let's support that person let's encourage people to push their boundaries just because we are wanting to do something that's different from the norm you know that shouldn't be discouraged and I found that quite a lot um you know a lot of the time people say to me why can't you just be normal pre almost like a bit of a joke but you know because I'm doing all these things that that weren't their normal it's not the expected thing why can't I just do the expected thing and I I want actually encouraging, I want pushing our boundaries to be the normal thing because we create our own normal, right? And that could be whatever we want it to be. I think you learn a lot more about oneself and the world by doing that, getting out there, discovering whether it's about yourself, about how far you can push yourself um, in that respect. Well, sort of let's jump into the story. So you've got these sponsors, you're now a couple of days before you're about to sort of start your journey. How, what are you, what are the sort of feelings going through your head as you are flying to probably Chile? Yes. Yeah. So flying to Chile, um, almost, I, I felt a bit more relaxed then. The few days before I was flying to Chile, it's quite stressful, I found, or that few weeks. Uh, but then I'm on the plane, you know, I'm on the way there. Uh, which is great and um, (laughs) I so I'm flying to Chile Um, I had a a stop in Amsterdam for um, for kind of 45 minutes Um, you know but I got there in plenty of time to to walk to the next um, to the next gate and um, I've got my black rucksack which has got all my satellite comms equipment in my laptop and I um, I go to get something out my bag and realize I picked up the wrong rucksack and um, I Honestly, I yeah, it's the sudden panic that hit me. So then I suddenly start running back to the gate that I think I came out of because nobody ever, you know, remembers the gate that they came from. And I think I was running probably like three, four minutes, um, and then somebody shouted, and it was the the kind of uh, uh, air crew on the other side with somebody who'd picked my bag up, and oh my god, thank god they'd noticed. Um, and then we swapped bags, and he went to get his transit flight somewhere else, and then I went there to get mine, and I'm just like, oh, I remember messaging to my family, and they were just like, only you, Pre, and I was like, I know. I was like, only me. I just... So after that, I was just, you know, holding on to my bag like super tightly and <laughs> just, yeah, uh, went to Santiago, um, had a COVID test day there the night and then um, flew to Punta Arenas. And, and then it was prep phase, pretty much. I'd given myself more than enough time to do that phase because um, I was worried that I'd get stuck with COVID and 
and then I just I prepped everything I prepped all of my food I took all of the food out of its original packaging I chopped everything down into small pieces I wrote messages on every single food bag because I wanted this to be about more than me I was bringing all these people with me I hadn't met them uh, but there were people that had written on LinkedIn or Facebook or social media and I, I wrote their names on the messages as well um, so I had that with me kind of every day and and then flew to flew to, uh, to Antarctica to Union Glacier and to be honest getting there like I mean it, it's amazing right to be in Antarctica but I was I was very much focused on getting started so this is I mean getting to Antarctica was a huge achievement for me you know I actually made it there to go and do this expedition um, and there weren't many of us doing solo expeditions you know it was tough to get there it really was and um and I remember when I was, I, I stayed in Union, Union Glacier for about two days before I flew to my, to my start point at Hercules Inlet. And that's the moment I was kind of on my own and, you know, like watched, uh, watched a twin otter fly away and, and that's me. And I was, I was ready to go, you know, I was, I was excited to, to kind of get going. Um, this is something, like I said, you know, two and a half years of planning um, to, to get started. So at the start, uh, what was sort of the, one of the problems that you faced um, so in terms of problems at start, so it, I mean, the sled's at its heaviest um, then. So um, it's, you know, you, you can kind of feel it as, as you're dragging it and there's a, you start on like a steeper section. Um, but to be honest with you, I felt fresh, you know, so even, yes, it's, it's a heavy sled. I felt fresh and, and I knew that I was expecting that. Um, so there weren't, you know, surprises there. Um, probably the size of some of the sastrugi, which are like those wind-shaped ridges, um, some of them, they were huge. Uh, but that was a little bit later in the in the trip. Um, and there were, the, the sections were mixed. So some sections, it felt like, you know, it was really dragging hard behind me. And there were a few sections that, it was a bit icier. I probably fell over more times than I thought I would. <laughs> and I did think to myself, I thought, oh, I wonder if there's like a Guinness World Book World, uh, a Guinness World Record for this amount of times you fall over on, on a trip like this. But um, so, I, yeah, I fell more than I thought I would. Um, no, no serious injuries, thankfully, that it became tougher probably after I passed the halfway point. Uh, personally, for me, those ridges got bigger. I was more tired. It was getting colder. And that's when I, I feel like it, yeah, it got more difficult personally. When you're sort of pushing your sledge, for people who don't know what Antarctica is like, what is the sort of feelings around you? What are you sort of experiencing? You're in, I mean, it's, you know, this white desert, Antarctica, and um, it it's absolutely stunning, but you're, you, you don't feel like you're skiing towards anything. So you do a 360 and you can't see you know, anything that you're going towards. And even though I know I'm going towards the South Pole, I can't see the South Pole, uh, which that was kind of mentally difficult. And it's it's not really smooth. There's all these kind of ridges in places. Um, some aren't so big, some are really big, and they're basically shaped by, by the wind out there. Uh, there were one or two days where it was calm and it was just unbelievable it was amazing like no wind at all and I take my hood down I'd be like wow it's just and there's 24 hour daylight you know so night and day looks exactly the same there's absolutely no change um whatsoever mainly it was windy though so <laughs> generally I could just hear wind um a lot of the time um and it was always headwind no matter how much I prayed for it to uh, <laughs> to be coming behind me um and one of the messages inside my tent uh, said, remember to enjoy it, which was really important because, you know, you think, of course, you're going to enjoy it. You're in this incredible place. But when it was getting tough, it was really hard to remind myself that, you know, actually, I'm in Antarctica. This is incredible. And, and getting to this point is amazing. Um, when the sun was out, it was it was really lovely. Um, even though it was windy, I could use my... Um, I could kind of use the sun to navigate as well, which which helped, um, and you know, kind of look, see my shadow. Which it's it's a small thing, but it's a visual thing. Um, whereas just because it was twenty four hour daylight, the sun wasn't always out, so sometimes it would be cloudy, um, and sometimes it would be a whiteout. Which uh, somebody else had said um, that a whiteout is like traveling in a marshmallow, which I think is a, a good a good way to look at it, and you just can't see anything at all in front of you it's just you know it's like this deep thick 
fog like and and that was quite hard because you know you can't see anything now and um i'd just be staring down at my compass and sometimes get a little bit motion sickness because i was just staring down um and i'd try and concentrate on different things so like you know either looking at my skis and um, i had audiobooks to help me as well um and i try and try and you know be well you you really are invested in the audiobooks you're listening to so uh it's important to pick good ones um and and yeah it um it's this this huge white desert and you feel like you are well I felt you know that there wasn't anybody for miles and miles uh from me and at, at points that that was the case um but even you know as I've still been dropped off just especially when you could see when the sun was out and you could you know see quite far and just see yeah nobody else no sign of, of anybody else that's it's pretty incredible to to think that like I don't I can't think of any other time where I'd I felt like I'm completely physically alone. Was there a moment where it sort of all nearly fell apart on the trip? You had 40 days. Were there moments where you questioned yourself or questioned something happened? I did question myself, but I don't think um, there was ever a point where I thought I'm not going to do this. And I think there was in the training, but you know, it took me two and a half years to get to that start line. There was absolutely no chance I was giving up in that time. This was like the last leg of the journey. It's like not going over that final hill, you know, to the finish line. So there, there was nothing that was going to going to stop this part. Um, but there were some tough, tough moments for sure. Um, as it was getting colder and I think I was losing weight as well and feeling more tired as I went forward and um those sastrugi i mentioned so those those ridges in some sections they were huge and i remember looking in some parts thinking i don't even know how i'm going to navigate around these um and i did fall in a few um luckily i didn't hurt myself so even though i went in my sled didn't follow me which is good occasionally it came down slightly and i'd have to like pull it out with my arms um but that could be quite frustrating and i remember just uh, at one point screaming out um, and I couldn't even hear my scream because I just heard like the wind you know like lost in in the wind and it yeah it, it, it was pretty difficult at, at points like that um, and I just had to break it down and focus on taking literally one foot in front of the other you know and really not much past that because I couldn't focus on anything more than that it was too difficult I was getting frustrated um and that wasn't really helping me. And so towards the end, as you're getting closer to the finishing line, what was the sort of feelings running through your head as you're pushing your sledge towards the South Pole? I just wanted to get there. I think when I got there, it was relief. <laughs> I did actually get here. Um, it was relief to see something. And even though I've got my GPS, my compass, you know, I know that I'm getting closer. You can't see anything. So visually to see something is really special. Um, and to, yeah, to, to kind of, to get close to that. But a, f a few days out, I was, you know, I was excited to, to get finished. I, I was really craving a Coke can of coke so <laughs> looking forward to that looking forward to that can of coke um which i got when uh, when i got to the south pole which was uh, yeah which was really really nice and just i think yeah it, it was you know the weather it was pretty cold uh, like really cold when when i was there and i mean these are estimates because i didn't have anything with me but i think around minus 50 with the wind chill maybe a little bit colder on one or two other days um but it I was and I was tired uh you know I could feel myself slowing right down um so I think towards the end the feeling was you know almost there just keep going like it, you know you are almost there and because I had good weather the day that I came in I could see the weather station about five um five miles out which is just incredible uh, because I could see something it still took me ages to get there but I could see something you know I was skiing towards this like this gray color that I could see in the distance and yeah I had to like check that it was really there I was like no that's definitely something <laughs> something in the in the distance so that was really exciting People who get to the South Pole always talk about the sort of feelings of you've been in this white desert for 40 days yeah. and then you get to the South Pole, which is sort of like a building site. Is that how, 
one yeah, would describe yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, I guess there's there's so much there. You know, I don't I don't know if I expected there to be like all this stuff there. There's like this huge Antarctic research center, there's a weather station, there's all these different like tents set up. Um, so yeah, no, I, I guess for me, I just uh, you know I remember it was like three in the morning or something, but obviously you know it looks the same as, as the day and. Um, I saw people. It was incredible. <laughs> and um, I didn't really know what to do. I was like, hi. And, um, and then they kind of um, showed me like the direction towards the South Pole and then got there. And, and it was like, oh, wow, like I'm actually here. Uh, yeah, I don't think I really, I think there was definitely relief. But other than that, just, you know, I, I messaged my partner uh, really quickly um, to say that I was there. So he wasn't waiting for my checking call, <laughs> which I was doing uh, every 24 hours. And um, yeah, it is, it, it is, I guess it is a building site. There's so much there all of a sudden, which kind of like, oh, where's, where's this all come from? Um, and it was for me I think you know I was like oh my god I'm I as a Punjabi girl from Derby I got to the South Pole which um I try and remind myself that because you know it almost becomes the not like I've been there now it's like oh yeah I've I've done that it was uh, you know it was an incredible feeling but it's not unachievable or this like far away dream or anything like that I, I got there um so I do need to remind myself of of where I was a few years ago uh, at a point where you know I never ever thought I'd do something like this it just never was in my ideas I didn't know anything about it it wasn't really my world and was that sort of important to you to sort of because uh, after sort of finished and you came home sort of worldwide press all over you know your story was incredible and you know coming back and sort of seeing all the press and all the coverage from it how was the sort of feelings with that? It was, I think it was really amazing to to see that uh, some of the reactions to, to it. And, you know, it was, there were some like really great reactions, some probably, a, yeah, a little bit less than that, especially around kind of being a woman of colour, uh, some of the comments. So, you know, a lot of the, the news outlets said, uh, first woman of colour to do a solo expedition on the, in, in Antarctica. And, and it was great to see all the positive comments. And, you know, when I got back to Chile and I was I was no longer on aeroplane mode and I had Wi-Fi, I was going right down the comments. And a lot of the comments I saw on mainstream media were things like, uh, why does it matter? Great story, but ruined by the fact that you mentioned the color of her skin and we are all equal. Now, it took me a while to process these things. Uh, but to me, equality is not about ignoring our differences. So, you know, I was called British and an army officer, but, you know, nobody nobody picked up or had any issue with those differences at all. It was, it was the colour of my skin or the fact that they'd use the term woman of colour. And for somebody who hasn't always been proud of my background and the colour of my skin, I was so, so proud um, to be there representing to show that actually no matter where we're from, what we look like we can go and achieve anything uh, at the end of the day I was told many many times that I don't look like a polar explorer and not necessarily in a in a horrible or, or malicious way but it was still said and you know and if if people say things enough times do you then start to believe it uh, and I wanted to show that you know we can look like anything and go and do anything and you know I, there's been young young girls who've dressed as a polar explorer you know over the last few months and sent me those pictures that is incredible uh, you know to to show that you know you can go and do anything to see somebody that looks like you is extremely powerful um so getting that message out was was really great and you know I've been speaking to I think I've spoken to 17,000 young people since I've been back you know, the message I really wanted to, to get across was, to me, it doesn't matter if you have no interested interest in adventure or Antarctica, but just that whatever the boundaries are for you, like no boundary or barrier is too small to overcome. Like you can overcome them, you know, and you can go and do anything. So, you know, don't let anybody limit you. But also, if you do have great, you know, a big ambition, great. And, and you can do it, but it does also take work to get there because I think we so often see this end result, right? We see it on social media. We see, you know, so yes, 
it it you know is achievable but oh, that two and a half years was hard so so please work hard to get whatever it is you want well you've sort of laid the foundations for future explorers in every all over the world hopefully yeah hopefully and so as you say you sort of came back to this wave uh you probably were on a massive high coming back you'd finish you're probably exhausted you had put two and a half years into this goal. What was the sort of, and you probably almost are still on that sort of mode through giving your yeah. talks. Because I was going to say like, at the end of all, I've had many, many sort of uh, people, paleo explorers, adventurers. And at the end, there's always a feeling of like, when you've built yourself up to create, to achieve this goal, what was the sort of feelings when you came back? after doing it so I don't think I have had any come down if I'm honest with you at all um it's been pretty full-on um it's been really busy with all the talks uh which I just finished on uh, on Friday and I um I think the thing is even though yes the two and a half years that went into this it was I didn't know anything about the South Pole I didn't dream you know I didn't when I was younger it wasn't a dream that I always wanted to do this I wanted to do something big that would help inspire people and you know on the back of this I'm setting up this adventure grant for women I'll be giving the first grant this year uh, I'm also training for phase two of the expedition <laughs> so <laughs> so this was um it was actually not my aim to do this trip I wanted to do a bigger trip um and my application got declined uh, because I still didn't have enough experience uh, so I created phase one and that's what I just completed um, so what's uh, phase I two it, so I wanted to do a crossing um, a solo unsupported crossing um, which um, you know if I can get the, the funding and everything I'll go as, as soon as I can really um, and I remember putting my application in when I got back from Greenland because I knew that I didn't have the experience. So I waited because I thought, well, I've done Greenland now. And um, and it was declined, quite rightly, by by Ailey. Um, and, and I thought, you know, again, I was a bit deflated, like, you know, get, getting it rejected. And I thought, well, what else can I do? So, um, you know, I knew that I could go to Antarctica and do this expedition, 700 miles to the South Pole, um, without having been there before and with the experience that I had so far or with a little bit more, which I then got. Uh, so, so that's what I did. And, um, so this was, you know, yes, a huge expedition in itself, but also gave me the training and everything I needed to go and do phase two. Join the likes of Colin Brady and Mike Horn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and, you know, I guess for me, it was always the, um, that was my goal, you know, as in when I thought about what I wanted to do in Antarctica, that that was the goal. So, and as great as this trip was, to be honest, as great as like everything that came out of it was, you know, and it's it's been, yeah, really kind of inspiring to me, for me to see as well. Um, this this was always the, the trip that I was, I was hoping and aiming to do, always, <laughs> over the last two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what's driving you at the moment to go back. Yeah, no, I think so. So I um I finished the talks. Uh, see, I've still got a full time job. So uh, so literally finished talks um last week and back into my full time role uh this week. Um, so just training around that and um and yeah, hopefully putting trying to put in a, a few more barriers this time. Uh, sorry, barriers <laughs> is not what I meant to say. A few more boundaries this time. Um, just in terms of uh for myself. So you know what I can do because I felt very very busy when I got back and I struggled with it mentally um just do it doing all of those things and actually I, I think I realized I just needed a break um so giving myself time as well and giving myself a break and you know for me those boundaries will, would be involving okay well I can't you know this is what I can give um I can't maybe come back and do back-to-back -back talks for this many months so just figuring those out as well very nice well it's been absolutely incredible sort of listening to this story and, you know, as you say, you're, it's an absolute inspiration for so many people all over the world. There's a part of the show where we ask the same five questions to each guest each week, okay. with the first being, what does it mean to have purpose? What does it mean to have purpose? Um, I think that, how does it mean to have purpose? I think that could be um, whatever's personal to you. So for me... I want to, 
I personally, I want to see how much I can do. I feel like getting to the South Pole, I'm only just now realizing what I'm capable of, you know, and I'm 33. So imagine if you believe in yourself from a younger age. Um, I think to have purpose is to have maybe a drive towards whatever that is. Um, I don't think it's something I've always had. And I think at a time when you don't have it, then, you know, get involved in a lot of different things. That's that's what I did, uh, whether for me that was joining the army reserves, it was trying different subjects uh, at my access course to get into my uni course. Um, so I don't think you need to be hard on yourself if, you know, you don't necessarily know which way you need to go. And also your purpose might change. That's okay <laughs> as well. So that's something I've definitely learned. Um, sorry if that roundabout answers the question. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, what about your favorite quote? Oh, my favorite quote. Um, I have so many. So I think that's, yeah, that's a difficult one. Um, I do think um, nothing is impossible when you believe in yourself. Um, I do believe that. Um, and, you know, it, no matter how big, no matter how small, I, I do believe that we can achieve anything we want um, when we believe in ourselves, which again is difficult. And I know it's not the easiest thing around, but um, we can we can get there. Very nice. Uh, favorite travel book and why? Favorite travel book. Um, so no, yeah, I, I used to um, when I was uh, younger. I used to get uh, the Lonely Planet for everywhere I was going to, just to like see um, different. I, you know, like a little bit about each place I'm going to. But to be honest with you, I don't. Yeah, I like my audio books and. The reason I like these audiobooks I'm going to mention, I think, is is when I was listening to them on the ice, and I was super invested in them. So I think for that reason, I'm going to I'm going to pick these ones. So I listened to um, a lot of South Asian authors when I was in Antarctica, and I listened to uh, the Good Immigrant, the UK and the US version. I listened to uh, Mindy Kaling, Anita Rani, and I loved having their voices with me uh, for so many different reasons. You know, I wondered if they had ever been to Antarctica before uh to anywhere you know like that and that for me is actually quite powerful so as I'm going forward on my next trips as well I want to take different voices with me you know voices that may not have been to those places before amazing and why are these adventures important to you why they're important to me personally I I wanted to push my own mental and physical boundaries you know uh, and that's the truth I think yes I, I of course I want to inspire people but I do have that personal drive as well and see you know what I'm capable of but also I I want to show others that um, they are also capable of anything. And I really want to make the outdoors as inclusive as possible. Uh, and, you know, I'm seeing, uh, looking into now different things I can do to to make that happen. Uh, and that an adventure could be anything, you know, an adventure for me is still camping in the garden with my niece, you know, an adventure can be on any scale. Um, and, the outdoors for me and those adventures it's a place without judgment which I love um and I think it can be so good for your mental health and I almost want people to and you know it's not you have to do these adventures but almost give people the 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 kind of chance to realize that it is an option for them you know this is the, the outdoors is for everybody and you know I think a lot of people can gain something from it yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I was speaking to a friend last week and they want to go on a sort of big adventure. And I said, well, and she said, well, go camping, go walking, take a backpack and go walking. And she's like, what, oh, you know, camping. And I was like, you know, just go home, walk 10 miles, camp in a field. Yeah. Then pick, yeah. pick yourself up in the morning, walk 10 miles that way and go camp in a field and then come back. It's two days where you're just walking by yourself. You don't have to worry about things. Exactly. And then by that, it sort of breaks down. The first time you do it, it's terrifying. Like wherever yeah. you are in the world, I think like my first time wild camping was in America and I'd been told all these horror stories um, about America. And then when I did it, you slowly just sort of build. And now, you know, if uh, you said, oh, well, we're just going to go down there 20 miles and camp. I'd just be like, oh, cool. And then you get to a point and you're like, cool, this looks great. I'll just pitch a tent in the little woodlands or something and that's uh, that's sort of 
anyone's adventure. Anyone can have that. So I couldn't agree with you more in that respect. It can it can be anything, right? And yeah, I think I, so many times people will say to me, especially now, oh, I, I'm going to do this, but it's nowhere. It's not, you know, like anything you did. I'm like, don't, you know, don't one compare like with such also it took me a long time to get to this point this wasn't just a an idea that I had also you know adventures whatever we want it to be it can be anything you know it you know for me it has been a lot of the time pushing outside of my comfort zone the first time I went camping was pushing outside of my comfort zone so you know it's like I said again it's so easy to see the end result and you know um and rather than how people got to to where they are Mm. In your lifetime, where is the most memorable place you've been and why? Well, so Antarctica, yeah, Antarctica was obviously an incredible place. Um, But so, yeah, I was going to say India, um, maybe because that's a bit of home um, to me. So I haven't been in a while now. I've been about 10, 11 times in total. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a little bit of home to me and... I guess even before I started doing adventures or anything like that, it, you know, because I, I think of being on an adventure as a simple life. And I remember when I'd go back, it would be back to the simple life, you know, um, which I love, you know, you'd, you know, squat to go to the toilet, you would, you know what I mean? Use a generator to like, um, you know, wash yourself like it just, yeah. Um, so I think probably India, if I'm honest with you, um, and somewhere that you know I want to go back hopefully again soon and see people and also travel because India is huge and I've I've not kind of traveled much around um I think there's so many incredible places along the world around the world obviously Antarctica is an you know amazing place I think just in in terms of yeah where kind of my heart is at probably yeah probably I'd say India is, is one of the, the top places. Yeah, I, I sometimes think, you know, sort of wild camping or the most basic form of existence can be some of the most enjoyable times. Just out on like a mountain yeah. camping with the most insane view or sunset. You exactly. sort of look back in such happy memories. Yeah, yeah. And well, I was going to say, you know, uh, you've got these big plans for the future. How can people follow your story? Yeah, of course. So um, everything's Polar Preet, uh, which is something I came up with uh, when I started planning this. So Polar Preet is on Instagram, Facebook, uh, the website, which the website actually does say I'm still in Antarctica. So I need to change the homepage because I am not. Um, but everything's on there. And, um, you know, I, I post, yeah, uh, as, as much as I can, really. Um, and try hopefully try and be as honest as I can about my experiences and how I'm feeling um yeah which isn't always great but then I think to myself that if you're feeling a certain way actually it's good to be honest about it because there's a lot of people that are probably feeling the same way you are and can relate to that and you know I want to I want to be as honest and real as possible because you know to show that I wasn't always here and and we all have these feelings yeah I agree well it's been an absolute pleasure to listen to your stories today and I cannot thank you enough for coming on. Thanks very much. No, thank you for having me. It's uh, yeah, it's great to talk to you. Well, we'll be following your journey in the future and uh, for part two. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast if you're listening on Apple. A massive thank you to those who reviewed it. And I hope to see you next week for another fascinating tale of adventure. But till then, have a great day wherever you are in the world and happy adventures. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.